The Accounts, Book 1, Column 2. The world was dark in the wake of the emergency, and so Gov removed their heart and put it in the sky to give life to the people and plants below. The world was dry in the wake of the emergency, and so Gov removed their bladder and buried it beneath the ground to bring water and fertility to the land. The world was fragile in the wake of the emergency, and so Gov removed their ribs to reinforce the earth and their right hand to hold up the sky. The world was still in the wake of the emergency, and so Gov removed their left lung to power the wind and lift the clouds. The world was dangerous in the wake of the emergency, and so Gov removed their eyes and placed them in the night sky to watch over their people and light their way. All Gov asked in return was devotion, toil to prove that people deserved this sacrifice, crafts to build new wonders and shrines to Gov, commerce to fuel innovation and progress, and worship to pay back the interest and the principal on the debt we owe. Okay, so you have crossed much of the burning step between the city's walls and the impact crater where the hill used to be. Uh, Along the way, you ran into some kids from a rival quad with whom you'd had a battle previously, and you were able to take them out. You decided to get in a fight with them, and you fought Esme, their leader, Topher, Rosemary, and Carla, and were able to convince them, after you took out Esme, to head back to the city without you know, trying to cause any more trouble for you. Which means that between you and the crater, there is now just the natural barrier of uh, the fire and the smoke. And you said you were wearing your masks, right? You mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, it's a good idea to be doing that. The closer you get to the crater, first off, the hotter it gets, as we've already discussed. But second off, the heavier you start to feel. It's harder to move as you get closer and closer to the point of impact. Weird. It is weird. It's not like anything you've ever experienced before, uh, unless, well, you've all gone swimming, I assume, in uh, in one of the ponds or one of the reservoirs inside the city when you were younger kids. And if you had gone underwater, like down to the bottom of the reservoir, or down to the bottom of the pond, or the little man-made lake in there, and you had tried to walk forward through the water, it's kind of like that. Not as difficult as walking underwater, but kind of like that. Is that the entire way up? So if someone, like, you know, if uh, you're standing in shallow water, it's only really difficult where the water is up to? Uh, it feels like the, the so closer being you... much higher than other people, am I feeling the same effect? <laughs> is essentially what I'm asking. Yeah, it's, it's a full body effect as far as okay. you can tell. Uh, you also notice that the vegetation, uh, that of it, which is not on fire, is sort of crushed down, as if by some great weight. But, I mean, most of it is on fire, so if you do notice that, it's because you're looking specifically at, you know, the herbs and the bushes and the plants out here. How are your characters feeling as you continue your approach? I think Teva is kind of, like, kind of interested, but also, you know, they've been out in the heat for a while, and so she's kind of like, hmm, this is weird. But I guess we're working out our core, so that's good. And other muscles. Yeah, that's an advantage. That's right. We want to be strong when the uh, levies come. Yeah, you know, in, in two years, you're all going to be doing your mandatory military service, so it couldn't hurt to get in shape before then. I just did a wicked backflip. It, I mean, you, you tried to do a backflip. Over the guys. And le- uh, oh, back there, yeah. Yeah, you did the wicked backflip during your fight. Way cool. I'm taking samples of the sort of crushed vegetation that isn't on fire. Okay. Grab some, you put it into one of your bags or pouches. Are we aware of the laws of gravity? Nope. I mean, you know that if you drop something, it falls. You've probably seen archery in action. Yeah. But there's not like a term or an idea that, oh yeah, this is a thing that pulls things to the ground. Uh, If there is, it's not something that was taught in school. Okay. You're all continuing forward, regardless? I'm waiting for whatever Mabe's doing. 
I'm pushing forward with a head of steam, trying to avoid the reality of how out of shape I am. <laughs> and I'm also pressing forward. Emrin uh, heavily stomps behind everyone. It's getting more and more difficult for Maeve to uh, ignore that reality. The closer you get, it seems, the heavier you feel, the more resistance there is to your progress. But eventually... I'm, I'm going to say compelled. Keva is now uh, totally compelled to like help Maeve. Maeve, you know, walk. Okay, you go back and you, you put your shoulder under Maeve's arm to help her out, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're you're helping Maeve, and eventually you make your way to the to the lip of the crater. And it's difficult terrain here because it's been thrown up from far below, and there are colors that you haven't seen before. And you've seen a lot of colors. You know how much the people uh, in the church's domain love brightly colored dyes, but uh, some of these are new to you. And some of the materials, some of the debris that's been launched up from lower in the ground is uh, not what you're used to seeing. It's not the type of stone, not the type of dirt that you've seen just lying around. Can we get specific colors? <laughs> well, uh, you've got stuff like uh, really bright and vibrant, like silvery type colors uh, and uh, dull grays that looks like a rock but doesn't feel like a rock. There's some kind of roots, but brightly colored, that are just one of you see sticking out of the ground. Like there's red, there's a blue, there's roots of different colors, which is unusual to say the least. Um, I think that Emran might be compelled by his um, every bit of metal is useful mm-hmm. to snatch up a piece of, uh, snatch up um, the stone, however hot it is. So you, you reach down and you try to pick up one of these pieces of stone that doesn't look like stone. Sorry, don't forget you're wearing gloves, right? Someone grabbed gloves earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing the gloves. gloves. I don't know if anybody else is wearing them. I did not grab my gloves. Okay. I didn't so, say anything about gloves. Uh, obviously, it's very hot. And it's so hot, in fact, that you, well, either you have to do a forceful overcome roll to hold on to it, or you've got to drop it. And, I mean, if you hold on to it, it's going to be burning you, more so than it already has. Mm, every last... Yeah, I'm going to compel myself. Okay. So roll your uh, forceful overcome. And you want to hit uh, a good roll on that. Okay. So that's a good. You hit it there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're able to hold on to this piece of material, whatever it is. And it's it's burning your hand. So you're going to take two stress from that. Did you you rest before? No, you chose not to. Oh, right, right, right. So you can continue just holding it, or maybe you should do something with it. I'll hold out like my cloak because I took it off as the heat got more intense. So I'll just kind of hold it out like a kind of like a bundle. Uh, I think Emron will will um, will take it from you and wrap the the star stone in it. Okay. I tell you to put your jacket back on because radiant heat is way worse than feeling hot. Uh, having spent a lot of time outside as a herder, he'd know. Absolutely. All right. So you're at the bottom of the lip of the crater. The actual rim of the crater here. You'll have to climb it, but unlike the wall back in the city, this one has plenty of handholds, so long as you don't mind getting a little burned. It's like Mount Doom. Do I need to use the handholds? It's, I mean, it's pretty high. It's high enough that you can't just jump over it. Well, guys, I mean, we can go closer and try to get that shard, but let's just remember that by all accounts... We could get like a wasting sickness from this, you know, maybe we'll all be already like, you know, we're already in danger or whatever, but just, you know, reminder. Wow. Who could have maybe spoken up before we left the city? I mean, you did all learn that in school. Assuming you paid attention. I'm just saying that I did. (laughs) (laughs) This is a choice you all made despite knowing that. I think Emran doesn't say anything, but you see him, the characters see him thinking and for the audience's pleasure and for to explain what he's thinking of, uh, Emran is remembering a conversation that he had with uh, Hector, his uh, foster father, and how he like fervently believes that he's never seen it himself, but he fervently believes that the church lies about uh, what the Starstone does to what the shard does to people. What the splinters of the sun do? Yeah. Okay. So he's having a flashback to a conversation, and Hector's not outright saying that the church lies, but is heavily implying it in the way that he's describing something that he's experienced in his life. Uh, you want to try and convince us of that? 
I would I would love to, yes. How are you going to do it? Are you going to use logic? Are you going to appeal to emotions? Are you going to try and threaten your friends? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to go uh, logically, even though this is not his strong suit. But So I have pulled to aid him with example, because my high concept e- is a seeker, and against all, I guess, prior warning or sense of self-preservation, Maeve is going to go ahead and climb down. So you're compelling that uh, seeker of truth aspect? Yes. Or perhaps the authority one. But either way, we're compelling that aspect, and Maeve, you you just start climbing to get up to the rim of that crater while these uh, other folks are standing around. (laughs) I compel myself to start climbing. Emran looks at at Maeve starting to climb and says, See, she's got the right idea. See, Hector always pulls me aside, and every now and then he'll tell me something about what he really thinks is going on with the church. And, well, the church is only in power because they have the splinters, right? What if they're lying about everything? What if they're just in power because that's where they are? Okay, but how are just rocks from the sky going to give the church power? Well, you rocks from the sky? What is this heresy? Well, I mean, you know, the piece of the heart. I start climbing. Look, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Whatever the term for that is here, yeah. Just being being contrary, right? You're just being contrary here. Yeah, I mean, she's... Stop being contrary. (laughs) Keva's the parent, you know, like she wants to be like, oh, you know, she doesn't want anything bad to happen to her friends. So, you know, she's always going to second guess things like, oh, is this a good idea? You know, but um, I, I guess since the other three seem to be wanting to go ahead, she's she's definitely going to follow them. Okay. Now, Maeve, you've started climbing. Did you just start climbing or do you try and assess the ascent first and find an easier way up? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll do an appraisal first. Okay. So you're going to try and create an advantage cleverly and you want to get there's a lot of smoke and a lot of stuff in your way. So you need to get a fair roll. It's a plus two. All right, you got a one, so you can either just live that fail or invoke something. Uh, I think I'll use a fate die for that one. Okay. Which of your aspects are you going to invoke here? Uh, I think after hearing Emrin talk about his uh, little chats with Hector, I think I'm going to invoke the authority must be obeyed or it must be overthrown. Okay. All right. So you have that and you've re-rolled. You've gotten what's required. And... That is going to create the aspect on here of an easier path. Already. I think uh, Amran will be very close behind. Okay. Is the ground soft enough to drive something into? You can try. Can I try and forcefully shove my third stilt as a handhold? Yeah, you can try and create the advantage there forcefully. And you'll need to, uh, let's see, that's going to need to be a good roll. All right. Nope. (laughs) You rolled twice there. Was that on purpose? No, it wasn't. I, I suppose take first. We'll just, yeah, I'll take the first one. Uh, okay, so that you are you going to try and do anything with that or just leave it as a failure there? Uh, oh, because I'm easily led, can someone try and help me with this in some way? You would probably have to take the failure there and then let someone else roll if you want that to happen. Okay, that works. All right, so you you try and shove your stilt in, but you're you're just not able to find somewhere that you can get uh, a leverage in there. It doesn't quite work out uh, as we'd as we'd hoped. Maeve, you've just started climbing, right? Yes. Okay. Are you trying to climb quickly or trying to like be strong about it? I'm trying to climb as carefully as possible, but uh, I'm definitely determined to make the climb. All right. Well, let's give it a carefully overcome roll and uh, to climb up. Seeing as you found that path, we're going to say you just need a fair roll to get up there. Okay, you can invoke your easier path aspect there to, to make it up. Yeah, I'll invoke the, the easier path. Okay, you do that. As you're climbing, the path is, uh, sorry, the easier path aspect is still there. It's just, it's, it's not free anymore. Okay, so Maeve, you get up to the top and we'll talk about what you see in a minute. Emrin, um, Emrin is going to like power through the pain and just climb right after Okay, same deal for you. That'll be a fair roll. With forceful? Yep, to overcome. Ooh. Now, do you want to spend a fate point to invoke that easier path aspect or one of your own aspects? Hmm. Can I invoke my high concept? Yeah, or of no, course. Not really, not really applicable. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's talking about your strength, right? You can, yeah, you can invoke that. Yeah, strong blacksmith. Okay, I think I'll do that. 
because you're a strong blacksmith's apprentice, you've got enough muscle to force the issue. So I'll spend my fate point and just uh, bump it up to fair. Okay, so uh, you start to climb up and you you sort of get a scratch on your elbow and scrabble and aren't able to get a good handhold. But uh, as you're sliding down, you grit your teeth and you remember what uh, Hector has been telling you all this time. You know, any time that there's material in front of you, raw materials in front of you, it's up to you to force those materials to obey your will. And so you, not just the materials you have to force, you also have to force yourself to become an extension of your hammer. So you force yourself to become an extension of this, of your arms here and are able to find places to grip and dig your hands in and pull yourself up to the top. Your arms are a little sore after, but nothing you can't handle. Nice. All right, Keva and Deg? Um, being uh, the careful girl that Keva is, she's going to kind of wrap her the palms of her hands and parts of her fingers up in her shawl and maybe another piece of cloth and carefully make her way up the mountain or hill okay give it a shot need a fair roll yeah you get right up there with no issues uh once you're at the top well the the advantage you get is that you don't have to take any strain whereas i forgot to mention but both emrin and Maeve, you have to take one strain for all the little burns you took on the way up if our one stress and two stress is clicked do i have to pour it over into the three stress regardless either that or into a my into a mild consequence um, let's call it like burns. It's a burned hands. Yes. Okay. Would I still suffer from the burned hands if I've got my gloves on? Not the hands necessarily, but parts of you will be getting, will be getting burns or scratches okay. from the uneven terrain. Okay. Dag, you're down at the bottom by yourself. Oh no. Can I pass up my, uh, my third <laughs> uh, stilt and then cleverly hoist myself up while using my feet, uh, sort of repelling upwards. Yeah, you can give it a shot. Doesn't go very well, though. Oh, not not rolling too well after that break. <laughs> uh, depends. Are you going to use a fate point, or what do you want to do? Hmm. I might... What would the consequence be? <laughs> so let's see here. It's a negative two, so you're four below, which means that you have, on an overcome, failed with style, uh, you would have <laughs> to... Yeah, you, you would have to take a consequence... And let's see here what that would be. You'd have to take a moderate consequence of broken stilts. <gasps> that's not moderate at all. Yeah, that's not happening. I'll just say humans are just another animal. Invoke that and just power through my pain while climbing up normally. As uh, you so think an Try and do it as quickly as I possibly can because I'm basically cornered uh, away from my flock. So you're going to try and scale it as the noble goat would. Exactly. All right. Make sure you take off that fate point. Okay. Bloody hell. <laughs> You're at a zero. Uh, you can spend another fate point and invoke a different aspect, and then that will just let you get up there. There's the easier path aspect out there still. I'll take the easier path. <laughs> okay. So spend your fate point. How many do you have left? Is that your last one? One. Yeah. All right. Uh, one left. You're able to find the easier path and bound your way up. You scrabble up to the top. Uh, you do take one strain from the burns and scratches of your rough climb. Cool. You're all up top. You're looking out across the bowl of the crater, and you can see in the middle there is something that is incredibly black. It's not very big. It looks to be about the size of, you know, maybe a very small tree or a very large bush or a person or something. Uh, about that size, but it's just, it's completely black to the point that it's not even reflecting the light of the fires around it. As you raise your eyes and look out across the steppe as it merges into the desert beyond, uh, you see a large plume headed your way on the horizon. Someone's coming. In fact, a lot of someones are coming. And from that direction, well, you can probably guess who it is. Mm. Or rather, you can probably guess who they work for. Yeah. There's off in that direction over the horizon is the nearest uh, base of the evangelical order. So this would be the army on the way. This is the church coming. They probably have an auditor with them too. Okay. Oh. I say we grab a piece and run. Emren, yeah, Emren um, 
I'm no, not really good. Now I've got even more people to help us move it. <laughs> we can like say we secured the site. Yeah. Nice. We might even get like medals. So uh... can I compel anyone with I have forged the blade, I must wield it to kind of interpret the situation as the forging and running at the splinter and touching it being the wielding? I think that might be a bit of a stretch. That's fair enough. But that I stuff down there might be metal. That is fair. I'm going to go forge all of that with every last bit of metal is useful. Okay. myself. So you run down there. Yep. Okay. I is it possible for uh, for me to invoke something as well? What do you want to do? Um, I want to invoke hidden depths. And Keva is going to pull out her small little knife that she keeps with her and um, try to chink out a piece of the splinter. Well, you have to get to it first. Well, she'll run in that direction. So you're all headed down there? How about Maeve? Are you going to go down there? Oh, yeah. I'm following after. All right. So everyone heads down towards it. And the closer you get, again, it's like you are fighting through water. And you get closer, and it's like you're fighting through, you know, your characters wouldn't know this, but you would. It would be like you're fighting the undertow at this point. And then suddenly, as you are pushing your way through because you're all so determined, it's like something snaps. And all of a sudden, you feel light. You feel lighter than you ever have. Each step seems to send you bounding up into the air just a little bit higher than you normally would. And the closer you get, the more pronounced this becomes until you're standing next to this mini monolith. And the moment you get close to it, the moment the vibrations of your footsteps reach it, it crumbles. That was odd. Emran snatches up a shard if he can't. It's just ash at this point, essentially. Oh. But you want to grab some of I that? I grab a handful of ash. <laughs> I would yeah, like a handful of... Monolith ash. Yeah, me too. Uh, me, me three. So you all reach down to grab some of this extremely black, you know, particulate, essentially. As you do, you notice that your weight seems to have returned to normal. You, you don't feel very light or very heavy anymore. Your movements are as they normally are. And as the four of you reach down in tandem and you, you touch this dust, you all feel a sharp pain in your hands, as if you've been Stop stabbed. <laughs> Well, you can't touch the dust anymore because it's all gone. Right in the middle of where the dust had been, you see a shape fleetingly just before it disintegrates into nothingness. But the rest of that ash has disappeared, and you can feel that pain in your hands. Now, if you want to try and identify that shape, you're going to have to be quick about it or extremely clever about it and overcome that at a... It's going to be very difficult to see that. You're going to have to make a great roll to identify that shape. A great roll, which is a plus four. I mean, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I'll give it a shot, too. Dang. Yep. Not me. You can always... You if, you, if you have an appropriate aspect for identifying things or noticing things, this would be the time to use it. Yeah, I don't think Some hidden depths covers that. Truth. Would my Seeker of Truth aspect kicked in here? Sure. Could I invoke that to get it up to four? You can. We'll go ahead and do that, then. Okay. I'm going to send you a message. And you can decide what your character would do with it. Oh, geez. Secret notes. Oh, dang. Okay, I've sent the message. Uh, but for the rest of you, mm -hmm. you, weren't, you weren't able to see it, but you've still got those aches in your hands, again, as if they had been stabbed into. Kev is going to inspect her hand. Like, did something actually pierce my hand? You don't see any blood uh, beyond... Uh, Keva, you wrapped your hands so, um, when you were climbing. So you, you don't see any any blood or anything or any burns there. It just looks like your hand always does. Emran, okay, I don't. quickly try and wipe whatever I think might be on my hand off. There's, <laughs> the there's phantom nothing. pain away. There's nothing there, but the ache does start to subside. Emran tries rubbing his hands together. It's the same as normal, except your hands are burned, so it hurts. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay. Emran just sort of looks around really bewildered and says, Is this a dream? I'm so confused. Well, it's about to turn into a nightmare if we don't get out of here. We should definitely stay. Do you want they might to have deal with an auditor? Do you know what we just touched? Yes, I do. Hopefully they can fix this stuff. At this point, it would probably just look worse if we did run away. 
When we all get wasting disease, they're going to come into the town anyway and find us straight away. What do you think, Maeve? I think we're going to have to face the church eventually. And if we run away, we'll just look shadier. As you're arguing, you hear the telltale sound of crunching sand getting closer. It's loud enough that you can tell it must be at least a full platoon of bicycle cavalry out there. Um, I think Emren goes to the... Yeah, Emren goes to the top of the hill or the little lip in the middle of the crater. And um, regardless of what he sees, he just painfully, he kneels in... Um, I, I guess he'd interpret it as a defeat, but he's kneeling to the church. You're kneeling in the middle of the crater where you found the monolith? Uh, no, I go um, I go where they can see me or I can see them. Okay, so you are you go and you start to climb up the side of the crater, which is uh, more difficult than getting into the crater was trying to climb back out because the, the debris in here is finer. It's all still hot and jagged. And there's a, a bit of an angle that makes it harder to get out than it was to get in. It's deeper in here than it was uh, high out there. So it's going to take some effort. What are the rest of you doing while this is happening? I'm also going to kneel right in the center of the crater. Okay. And I'm just going to calm down and try to go through all my teachings and try to summon up the most appropriate uh prayers of repentance so that when the proverbial 5-0 arrives on scene, I can fake the proper veneer of piety. So you've gone and you've kneeled where the monolith was? Yes. Okay. Is anyone looking at, at her at Maeve? No. I mean, I think Kev is probably like next to Maeve. So like if it's something like moving about her or like really obvious her eye like out of the corner of her eye she'd see it but i don't know okay are you touching her at all i think that would depend on how close of friends we are oh what do you think it's fairly important to know exactly how the two of you are standing and kneeling right now i think their elbows are probably touching what do you think Maeve? i mean while we were standing side by side our elbows would have probably been touching but i think once i knelt down unless she knelt down with me we wouldn't be touching okay uh, Keva, I'm going to compel an aspect of yours. Okie doke. I'm going to compel your team parent aspect. Okay. Maeve is deeply in distress. You know about her, about her past, and the, the times she has spent with shorn hair as, as a younger child. And you can see the toll that it's taking on her to do this. So you, if you accept this compel, you reach out and you put a hand on her shoulder in comfort. Heck yeah, she's going to comfort her best girlfriend. Okay. You reach out and you touch Maeve. The two of you sink into the ground. Whoa. It's pretty fast, but you probably have enough time to shout or scream or take a deep breath. Keva probably is like, ah! All right. Sorry, that was loud. That's fine. I've got the levels adjusted here. Keva screams. Emrin sharply turns around. You see Keva and you see Maeve and they are sinking into the ground very quickly in the center of the crater. Hold my uh, third uh, stilt out so that I can hold on to it. Okay, you reach your stilt out. Is Emran still holding the uh, star stone bundled up in the cloak? Yeah. Well, the whatever it is, yeah. You still got it. I'm going to try to catch his eye when he looks back at Keva and just, I guess, try to make some sort of sign urging him to hide it. He, um, like, yeah, he'll put it away in a pouch if he's got one. So, Deg, you're trying to Keva to grab your stilt. Yep. Okay. You want to make a quick overcome roll uh, against, I would say, they're moving fairly quickly. Average. Okay. Can I Can I invoke? Keva, are you trying to reach out to grab it? Um, probably. Okay. You're reaching out to try and grab it, so that adds, uh, that adds one. Easily that lit. brings you up to average there. Oh, okay. She grabs it. Uh, what do you do? I try and fling her out. <laughs> I'll run back and help if it's possible. Okay, you run back down. Are you going to grab? Are you going to grab Deg? Or are you going to grab Deg's stilts? What are you going to do? I'm going grab to since, he, since he's using the stilts as a lever. I'm going to use the. I'm going to grab onto the stilts and help him. Okay, so all four of you are physically connected at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, after like if they start sinking, Keva's going to be holding really like tighter onto Maeve. Yeah, I mean, it's a good effort that you're making here to get them out of the ground. And if this were, say, oh, I don't know, quicksand or water or 
molten rocks or whatever, th this would definitely work, but it isn't. It's something else entirely. And the speed accelerates, and the force becomes greater than anyone can handle, and all four of you are sucked in. And we'll get back to you in a second, but for now, the church arrives, the cycles, the cyclists and the cavalry come leaping over the top of the rim like, you know, motocross stunters. It's very impressive. They land inside the rim. They are all heavily geared up, heavily armored. The church has learned so much from the last two splinters and their experiences with them. They are armored up in ways that the average person in this world wouldn't even understand to look at. Uh, above them, an auditor drops from the sky and lands directly on the center of the crater, just as Emrin's hand disappears below the surface. The auditor reaches down to try and grab it, but you're gone. The church's forces stare, uncomprehending. There's nothing here. There's no splinter. They saw a hand, or at least the auditor did, but that's it. What happened? Well, the four of you... Well, have you ever been in a water slide? Your characters haven't, but have you as players? Of course. Yeah. I have not, but I imagine it'll be terrifying. It can be. It's a rushing sensation, and you're confined. It's like one of those water slides that's completely enclosed. Uh, but somehow it's even more compressed, even more contracted, even more claustrophobic. And if any of your characters are claustrophobic, this is a bad time for them. And there's this rushing, and it feels like you could be drowning, and it feels like maybe you're being buried alive in sand or something like that. Maybe you're being dragged behind, a, you know, a whole herd of goats, but you can still breathe once you try. And then all of a sudden, as quickly as it began, it ends. One by one, first Maeve, then Keva, then Deg, then Emrin, you pop up out of the ground. You rise gently until you're standing like you normally would on a stone floor. You're in a room. It's a big room, but it's dark. Emrin, you, um, you, you, everyone, if it's pitch black, they can't see it, but they can hear it, that Emrin's crying. Okay, Emrin's crying. Uh, Keva's teen parent compel, like, She's immediately, like, trying to find him in the dark to put an arm around him. Okay. Is there a roof where we are? Uh, if there is, you can't see it, but there's no light coming in, so... so okay, so I'm not crashing into the roof being on stilts. No. Are we all here? You're all here as far as... Well, check. I'm not going to say anything, but I'll, like, I'll reach out a hand to, just to make sure that everyone else is present. When Keva gets closer, I'll, like... I'll literally just hug her, and she can feel me sobbing. Are you all right, Emmy? I don't know where we are. The church and the auditor, and my hands hurt. Yeah, mine does too. Um, well, we know that we're someplace, and um, we're not dead, so that's good. We don't know that. I'm sorry I blasphemed. That's why we're in the ground. You don't know that. Don't blame yourself. Uh... Guys, look, I mean, wherever we are, things could be worse. We could be on fire or uh, drowning. I'm going to stay in one, uh, standing exactly where I still am, going to see how far I can reach with my stick and whether I touch any walls. Okay. You reach out with your stick. About how far is your reach with that? Probably, uh, I'd say four, five feet. Five feet. Yeah, we'll go for five or a couple meters. Uh, so you reach out a couple meters. You're probing around with the edge I mean, of in your... A, in a metric country, why did I see face? <laughs> okay, they, they use the metric system or an equivalent of it in this world, too. You're probing around. You don't hear any walls, but you do hear a thunk as your stilt bumps into something wood. Cool. What was that? No idea, but I keep knocking it. It, it keeps sounding like wood. Thunk, thunk, thunk. I'd like to follow the noise very gingerly and just sort of feel around the walls for any sort of indication of a door or something. You are able to get over to the wooden thing following the sound and you explore it with your hands. And it's sort of a, a smooth wood, uh, about you know, 40, 50 centimeters wide. And then you get to one edge of it and move your hands over and suddenly you feel leather and... You move your hand f further and then it sort of bumps and dips. And then there's another bit of leather for, you know, five, ten centimeters. And then another bit of leather for around the same amount of space. This is something that you know. It may not be a place you know, but it's the kind of place you know. 
If you go up and down, you feel regular narrow bits of wood followed by more of those leather things. And if you try to pull on one or push one, it, it comes out. I'll just do a whole run of the perimeter, just relaying the information to the other three as much as I can. Okay. As you're going around in the dark, you find more of these shelves and you slowly recognize that they are bookshelves full of books. See, Emmy, I don't think they have bookshelves and books in, you know, the afterlife. Maybe you're right. And he'll reach into his pouch and pull out the, uh, the bit of metal root that he took from the crater. It's not hot anymore. It's just warm now. He, um, he sort of straightens up and kind of pulls away from Keva, but not entirely, and just sort of hugs the, the meteorite, so to speak, to himself. Okay. Well, I start uh, getting some strands of wood off my stilts into a sort of kindling pile. You can smash the rock against the stone uh, stone floor and try and get some sparks out of it, and then we'll try and light the ends of my stilts on fire. And one of you might have just like a fire starter. Look, I just came up with a good plan. <laughs> yeah, you've you've got you've got kindling, but you might also have, especially because as a herder, you're you're out at night at times. You might also just have you know a, a striker or something to start a fire with. Sure, okay. So are you going to start a little fire there? Do I? I just did clever. Is that? Well, I, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to make you roll to start a fire. It's oh. something your character can do. So you, but yeah, you do it. You start a little fire. You know that it's going to burn through that kindling pretty quickly. But uh, in the light, you can see that you are indeed in some type of book room, maybe a library. It's hard to say. You don't really recognize Any it. exits? You do see about 20 meters ahead of you, and there's a door. But I it's, open um, the door. Uh, it's, it's a door, but it's a wood... It's, sorry, it's a stone door. So you, you go over to it, and you, you, know, you look for a way to open it, but uh, there doesn't appear to be a handle on this side of it. Gov's heart, where are we? I start trying to move bookshelves to see if there's hidden doors behind them. Okay, well, I'll tell you now, there aren't. Damn. <laughs> the, bookshelves, the bookshelves are about twice as tall as you, and each one is completely packed with leather-bound books. Moving them would require a feat of strength beyond what anyone here is really capable of. But Can that door does have... I mean, there there is a door there. The fire is, is burning down quickly, though, at this point. But as the uh, last embers sort of burn out, you do notice on one side of the doorway there is... It, it looks kind of like a lever made of wood. Emrin uh, will walk over to it. Okay. A bit so you go over and you... What do you do with the lever? The lights are out now. It's black again. I'll uh, I'll put my put my meteorite away and I'll 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 test it to see if I can pull it with one hand. But if not, I'll heave. You pull it down. It's a lot easier to pull than you than you maybe thought. So you go like Ugh, as you stumble yeah. a bit from trying to put a lot of strength into it. At first, nothing happens. A couple of minutes pass with nothing happening, and then eventually the door starts. You hear this loud grinding noise, like stone against stone as the door begins to come in towards the room, and presumably from there it's going to open somehow. You can all hear this, even if you can't see it. Is Maeve still, like, out exploring the other side of the room? Or? No, once it starts grinding, I'll just get really low down to the ground, since it's still pitch black, and just keep a careful eye on whatever's going to come out through the door. Okay. So the door continues to grind, and you it grinds for a really long time. It's the door you start to figure is probably at least a meter thick of stone. Oh, damn. And it comes in, and then it starts to slide along a track that you didn't see to one side. But as it does, a bit of light begins to trickle in around the edges, and you start to hear voices. And one of them saying, Well, really, I don't think you're going to need a sword. It was probably just a rat again. Remember last time it was just a rat? It's like, well, it never hurts to have a sword with you. You never know what kind of danger. I mean... If they've activated it, if they figured it out, we could be in a lot of trouble. Oh, I think you're overreacting. Look, okay, the door's almost open. You want to stand there with your sword? Fine. I'm just going to, I'm going to wait back here. Uh, you know, you do whatever threatening you need to of that poor rodent. And by then the door has slid open and the light floods in. The room beyond appears to be lit with lanterns of a type that you're familiar with. And, and for a bit, obviously you're blinded by the sudden influx of light. But then... You see that there are two people there, 
and as your eyes begin to adjust to the light, you hear a grunt of surprise and a faint gasp. There's a man holding a sword standing in the doorway in a challenging stance. He's got frizzy gray hair. He's got a beard. He's wearing his blue robe over his bright yellow undershirt that you know so well. He narrows his eyes, and then they widen, and he says, Emran? Dad! What? And then the woman comes into the door from behind him, sort of shoving him out of the way, looks and says, Maeve, what are you doing here? And it's your master, Isabel Cruz. What are you doing here? Well, I mean, that's hardly the point. I asked you first. What did I tell you? Always answer in the order of asking. It's polite. I'm sorry? We were just perusing the library. Well, first of all, I think you know this isn't just a library. And second of all, how did you get in here? And Hector's looking around. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this where you disappeared off to when the splinter fell? Yes. We locked ourselves inside out of fear. How did you... How did you even find the door? Come on, come on, get out of there. Come on, all four of you. I see you back there, Deg. I see you, Keva. Come on. Okay. Yeah, Emran, not even kind of, he's um, walking. I take off my mask before I get into the light. Yeah, he takes off his mask as well. Yeah, Keva as well. I mean, they they saw your masks. The light was lighting you up inside. Yeah, of course. That's, um, yeah, so Hector, he puts his sword away across his back. As you all come out of that room. Uh, they step back and Isabel runs her hand across the wall. It doesn't appear to be any switch or button or anything of the kind. And the door slowly grinds back into place. And when it does, it looks like just the wall. There's no sign that there's a door there at all. Emrin, um, like he's been kind of muttering to himself as the door was closing. And now he just sort of stands up straight, looks Hector in the eyes and does his best man voice. Father, we yeah. need to talk. Well, talk. As the door is closing, sorry, um, I just want to take mm-hmm. special note of where the button is, if I didn't already know where it was, just for future reference. Yeah, you definitely didn't know this was here. You're now in Isabel's, she lives here, but it's also the, the apothecary's lab, essentially. Yeah, you've, you've never seen this, you've never heard of it, it's never had any hint that there was anything here other than just a wall. So Isabel is, she turns and she, she's got her eyes narrowed and she's giving you an appraising look you can see uh, her her eyebrows with all the the missing hair from the scars through them are knitting together and you can see that horrible scar on the the left side of her face pulling out the side of her mouth as her lips purse and in her appraising look well what is it emran i know you didn't just stumble in here no that much is obvious to be honest we kind of like magically appeared here Emran just sort of goes, I can't believe you snitched. <laughs> no, he doesn't make any noises. He just sort of um like slightly turns his head to regard her and says, Father, I think it's time that I learn how to swing a sword. Hector shakes his head, looking a little confused. Ma- magically appeared. You know we don't have that. Only the church can transport objects. And Isabel just puts her hand on her shoulder. She's like, Hector, just I think I, I know what happened here, but let's give them a chance. Emran gives uh, the group a sidelong glance. Look, uh, okay, well, the four of you already know, both Hector and I have been accused of heresy more than once in the past, and uh, maybe those accusations have something to them. But the question now is, well, why, why don't you tell us, as honestly as you feel you want to, what happened today? We were touched by Gov. We touched a splinter. Okay. Worship us. No, that's not going to happen. Don't be silly, Dick. Which one of those things happened first? And how did Gov touch you? And where, Hector says, putting his hand back on his sword. (laughs) We went into the crater. Isabel puts a hand to her mouth in a little bit of surprise and shock. Oh? We were there just barely ahead of the church. Yeah, but like a bunch of other kids were going there too. Let's be honest. Emran slaps his forehead. he, He curses probably blaspheming and says something about Gov that is rather untoward. Emran. And blushes afterwards, but he he says, those four, they'll tell them. Let the record the auditor that there were bandits present and they were the one who beat the other children, not us. Bandits? Well, all right, we'll see what we can do. Who were these kids? They saw you outside the walls? Rosemary, Carla. Tova. Esme. Oh, them. This isn't your first run-in with them. 
All right, what happened to them? We sort of... Yes? They well, got, it's not out of... They got dunked on. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this phrase. You put them in a well? I don't see any wells out there. Father, I used the martial training you've been giving me. It was self-defense? Premature self-defense? Are, are they alive? Yes, of course. Oh, thank God. We're not going to kill anyone. Well, with the way this has gone today, it, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you had. Oh, calm down, Hector. They're good kids. They're just confused. I don't know if they're uh, coming down. Wanna... He's muttering and stalking away. Keva is kind of hurt that he said that about yeah, of course. Emran is not hurt. He kind of is, he's low-key happy that his father thinks that he's capable of that, but also kind of like, wow, I'd never even thought to kill them. Deg's a bit sheepish because he totally stepped on a dude's head and could have easily killed him. <laughs> I'll tell him that I resent the accusation, but then I'll look at Isabel and kind of shrug my shoulders like, eh. Okay, well, Hector and I will see what we can do to speak to them. Maybe we'll get your help on that later, but for now... You touched a splinter, and then you ended up here. Is that correct? That is everything that has happened. The auditor might have seen my face. An auditor? He, they fell from the sky. This sounds like a storybook. Oh my goodness. We might have to hide him. No. I'm not down for that at all. We're going to tell everyone. <laughs> oh no, you're not going to be telling anyone about this. Dad. Oh, I'm not covering for you guys. What the hell are you? I'm going to tell the church. Emron turns sharp on his heel and says, do you think a shaven head is the worst thing that's going to happen to us? I don't care. Don't be a narc. Dick. Keva, like, touches her braid, like, somewhat like, no! Dag, I'm not sure that they covered this thoroughly in the school, but maybe they did at the weekly shrine meetings. If you approach a splinter without the church's permission, you will be excommunicated. At least. I'm willing to go do that at all. I'm fine. <laughs> we have to make sure that nobody knows you touched a splinter. Where is it now? Where's the splinter? Did you take it with you? Emran shrugs and says, yes. In our hearts, because it disappeared. It disappeared. I think, can I roll to see if Emran is even capable of making the logical conclusion? Because he's only got a zero and clever. Uh, you can make an overcome roll with uh, your clever. And a great difficulty. Let's do it. A great difficulty is... Four. Okay. I can I can definitely... I'll just roll, I'll roll a crit. That's going to happen. All right. As you can see, a crit. Well, it's, it worked out. You got a three there, so you're, you're most of the way. Does anyone want to help uh, Emrin with this? Yeah, I don't have any aspects to call on for that. <laughs> I mean, I've got the teen parent and two emotionally invested, but... Those aren't really smart things. Hmm. I'm just surprised that I even rolled that well. I mean, what do you mean by arrive at a logical conclusion? I'm like I'm almost certain as a player that it's that the splinter's inside the four of us, but Emran is definitely not that smart. The splinter was inside of you all along. <laughs> <laughs> do you have it with you or not? It Maybe? disappeared. How did it disappear? Just be clear with me it, here. Okay. It just vanished. It, it crumbled into ash. Yeah, then okay. we were like, whoa, what the heck? Then, all of a sudden, Maeve and I, and then Emran and Deg were pulled into the ground. We also got really bad pains in our hands, so that's why I'm really, really freaked out and kind of want to go to the church to see what they want to do about it. Should have worn gloves. Really should have. Why did you get pains in your hands? Well, we touched the dust. We wanted a souvenir, obviously. And what and happened the to the dust? It disappeared. It disappeared. Yeah. Totally just dis- just disappeared. Okay, and the well, next thing I remember, I was running, and then I ran back, and here we are. And they pulled you underground, and you came back up in the library. For some reason. After Can we that just check going back to in the library to see pocket. if the dust is there? I'll go and check. Hector, go and check if there's any dust in the library. Hector mutters. I had put some he... dust in my pocket. Would it have disappeared as, as, along with the others, or...? Which dust is that? The, um, the monolith ash. That all disappeared. Okay, let's think about, like, Keva just suddenly realizes, she's like, if we were going against the church, Gulf would have let them catch us. Or, you know. hmm. Hector's gone back into the library and he's still muttering, looking around. He doesn't find any dust on the ground. Uh, Isabel goes in and she sort of snaps her finger and she's like, wait, could it be? No, no way, no way. That's a, hold on. And she runs into the, 
room full of books. And she rubs her hand across an area near the lever. And then there are lanterns on in the book room as well. And she's running through it. It's huge. It's massive. She's quickly out of sight. But then you hear her moving through books, pulling books off shelves. And she's like, ah, you're right. This one. This is the one. And she opens it up and she's paging through it. And as she's doing so, she's walking back. You can see the pages are ancient and yellowed. And some of them look like they've been stitched together from little pieces of vellum and have missing bits and so on. And she opens it up and she's scanning through it and she says, the system works. And she says that she looks up at the four of you and she looks down to where you came in and she kneels down and she places her hand on it and squeezes her eyes shut and nothing happens. Emran replicates the gesture. You put your hand to the ground where you came in, and you start to sink in. Oh, we're grabbing him. Definitely grabbing him. Yeah, Isabel and Hector immediately grab you and pull you out, and they're not pulled in. And they say, okay, don't, don't, don't do that again, but I'm going to have to do some more reading, but I think I know what's happened. And it Dad? could be very, very good for us, at least. But you cannot, you absolutely cannot tell anyone about what happened to you today. And I am not saying this as Mace Master. I am not saying this as an adult to a bunch of children. I am saying this as one human being to another. If you tell anyone about this, you will probably be killed or you will be excommunicated. Do you understand how serious I am? Kevin looks at Dag like with a very like strong look like you better understand what she's saying. Like I understand. I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but... Uh, like, I would definitely be, I'd say, uh, like, I'm going to die, might die anyway, due to wasting disease. I'm not going to tell anyone, but, you know, you have to understand that there's not much better. I'd rather be excommunicated and possibly alive under the church. If you start to get the wasting disease, come and see me. I can help. All right. Without even looking at Dag, I'm just going to walk up beside him and just give his stilts a gentle pat pat and be like these are some really nice stilts shame if something were to happen to them oh it's on okay the four of you need to get back to your quad you need to get back inside you need to for now pretend like none of this happened i have a lot of reading and research to do but as soon as i know something the moment i have confirmed anything i will let you know but it will take time do you understand it could take months it could take a year but until I tell you otherwise, it is very important that you keep this quiet and go about your lives. But, Isabel? Yes? What if we get levied before you find something out? Hector? And Hector looks up and he says, I can arrange it so your service will be served here. Oh. Well, I was going to anyway, but I'm just saying, I can do that. It'll cost me, but I can do it. If it means keeping you just a little bit safer. He comes over and he puts his hand on Emran's head. And he says, I will. He gives him a hug, even though he doesn't like hugs. Hector pats your back anyway. He's a little stiff, but secretly he enjoys it. Yes! Approval! Now look, the four of you have been through a very traumatic experience today. You've experienced things that no one has. And it's probably a good idea to just get some sleep. And she turns and starts putting together some herbs and some tinctures and stuff into a little, into a little mug. And she gives each one of you a mug and says... Now, I know maybe you don't trust me, but Maeve, I'm sure you can reassure them this is simply a sleeping draft. It'll just help you get to sleep. So drink this when you get home. And in the morning, we'll start working on figuring all this out for you. First things first, Keva, when she leaves, is going to go get Jolly. Okay. Jolly is is back at the quad, hanging out outside the gate, waiting for someone to let her in. Yes, pet goat. Before I leave, I'm going to take out the... uh sample vegetation that I took from the the crater site and give it to Isabel and just be like, here's a souvenir. Oh, thank you, Maeve. That was very oh. thoughtful of you. I uh, I walk over to Hector before we go home. Mm-hmm. And I think it's sneaky, but it's definitely not sneaky. He tries to give Hector the, um, the meteorite very quickly, but just sort of stumbles and kind of shoves it at him because he's not, he's not good at handing things off discreetly. Right. Hector uh, manages to turn your stumble into as if he were patting your back a little too hard and takes the takes the fragment from you and pockets it much more smoothly than you were doing. Yeah, I'm not a very good swordsman yet. 
I just walk on. I'd say, I don't know if it's appropriate now, but I'd say compel for a good guard dog doesn't bite its herd. What do you want that for? For basically when being put into a situation where I feel like I'm being uh, herded by these two people with essentially pain of death. Right. Uh, to follow what they're saying. Um, okay. To basically lash out. So the four of you return home eventually. Do you take your, your sleeping drinks? Definitely not. All right. I, I pop it. All right. It helps you go to sleep. You feel tired immediately and you go and lie down and you drift into a dreamless sleep. Keva takes half of it, but she kind of like, it was a hard day, you know, like mm-hmm. her friends got hurt. Yeah. So she's kind of really emotionally drained at this point. So she kind of doesn't really need it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she still takes it. You also drift off and you have a dreamless sleep. I don't take it. And then I just sort of stay up until my body gives out ruminating over the day's events. Okay. You eventually collapse and have uh, nightmares until you awaken in the morning before anyone else. Dag, you fall asleep normally, though it's more difficult for you. You're also uh, visited by nightmares throughout the evening until you awaken to a new day. All four of you, you go out into the courtyard of the quad and go to the gate and you see in front of the gate, there's a soldier. There is a member of the evangelical order in their resplendent armor carrying their weapon in the standing outside of your gate, but facing away from you as if they were guarding people from getting in. And, you know, the, those of your parents who are there and not at work yet come out as well. And you know, they're, they're telling you that, yeah, the evangelical orders in town, there's an auditor, they're carrying out an investigation. But so far, so far, no one's come to question you. So, yeah, you're, you're inside here until the investigation is carried out. And over the next few days... Uh, the investigations continue, then it stretches to a week, the investigations continue. But eventually, it seems, the auditor is satisfied, and the evangelical order is satisfied by whatever they were trying to find, and they leave. And slowly but surely, life returns to normal in your town. You resume your apprenticeships, each one of you going on to spend the next two years learning to perfect your trade and become journeymen. Two years pass, none of you contracts the wasting disease. You feel fine. In fact, as the next few years pass, you're 17, you're all called up to your mandatory military service. All four of you are placed in the same unit. You go through basic training together. You all learn the basics of combat, discipline, marching in order, praising Gov the way the military does. You go on patrols around your local area. You meet other people. You make friends. You make enemies. The year of your mandatory military service passes. So over the course of the four years between your encounter with the splinter and the beginning of the end of the world, things start to get easy for you. Easier even than they should. As the years pass, each one of you starts to get even better at one thing. Each one of you starts to improve in some way beyond what is expected of someone your age. Maybe you show it off and revel in it. Maybe you hide it. That's for you to decide. But when we next meet your characters, four years from that fateful day, they will have changed, they will have grown, and they will be ready to embark on their new adventure. And that's the end of today's session. Thank you for joining us for the third session of Splinters of a Broken Sun, an actual play podcast. We are using Fate Accelerated Edition, a system created by Clark Valentine, Leonard Balsera, Fred Hicks, Mike Olson, and Amanda Valentine, based upon a fate originally created by Rob Donahue and Fred Hicks. We hope you'll subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes if you enjoy what you hear. Keva Jarma is played by Keekers. You can find her on Twitter at BSBaseCat. Emran Pack is played by Michael Blood. You can find him on Twitter at GoodSirBlood. Deg Denchobaset is played by Whiskey Whiskers. And Maeve Sentis is played by OG Brown Sugar. You can't find her on social media because, frankly, Twitter doesn't deserve her. I'm your Master of Ceremonies, Matt. You can find me on Twitter at YCaliber. Follow our show at Broken Sun RPG and read up on the lore of the land at splintersofabrokensun.tumblr.com. Until the next time, all the best. Damn. Wow. That was so fun. And we didn't die.
good first step. Yeah, my stress was completely full. If your stress is, if all your stress boxes are ticked, that means you're you're taken out. Oh, really? For future reference. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, I totally forgot that. That's one of the reasons why we have um, consequences as an option for soaking damage. Turns out one of us did die. <laughs> well, getting taken out can mean a lot of different things, and I'm sure that will come up again in the future. Oh my God, Maeve is on entirely. I'm a ghost. Okay, so the end of a session means that we've reached a milestone here. Now, when I'm saying that each one of your characters has become better than expected at something, that means that each one of you gets to improve one approach by one. Uh, So you don't have to decide right away, but it's something for you to think about in terms of character improvement. What approach are you going to improve? Um, You also need to think about, by the time we have our next session, It will have been four years for your characters. So your characters will be 19. They'll have been in the military for a year. Maybe they decided to stay in the military, though probably not, (laughs) given what's happened to you. Um, You'll also need to have a stunt for next time, at least one. Well, one stunt. And um, what else? Uh, If you want to change any of your aspects or add an aspect anywhere up to four total, then you should do so. If you feel that your character will have changed in some important way or you found one of your aspects was not useful or you can think of a better way to phrase one of your aspects, then this is the time for it. 